All right, everybody. Good day. It's the Hoops Observer. I'm reporting to you guys on March the 8th, 2019. And today I'm going to be giving you guys some observations that I've seen throughout the NBA. We are going to be talking about who should be MVP. Is it Giannis? Is it PG-13? Is it James Harden? We'll also be talking about the Lakers. I mean, seriously, Lakers Nation, what is going on right now? We got a lot to discuss. And um, also, I want to take a little bit of time to spotlight two teams that I think will be playoff contenders and potential title contenders before you know it, the Chicago Bulls and the Atlanta Hawks. So let's go ahead and get started. All right, so the first topic that I'm going to discuss today is the MVP race. Now, I was going to touch on it last time, but we just didn't quite have enough time to get to it. So um, before I do that, once again, this is the Hoops Observer. Um, If you enjoy this content, please leave a like. Um, Subscribe as well. I'll be giving you NBA content along with both present um, historic NBA content and, you know, projections and a whole lot more. So enough about that. Let's go ahead and get started. So we got three candidates today. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to rank them uh, one through three, uh, one being first place, two being second place, and three being third place. So I'll kind of do it in a similar fashion as the media would do it, how they do their MVP rankings. So coming in at number three, I have Paul George PG-13. Now, truthfully, I wish I could rank him a little higher. I mean, this guy has had a miraculous comeback and from that horrible injury in 2014, and he caught a lot of flack for going to the Thunder as well because a lot of people thought him and Russell weren't going to work. Um, you know, he receives a lot of criticism. Uh, Paul George shrinks in the big moments. Uh, he's avoiding the the bright lights of L.A. He's not quite a superstar. I mean, there was quite some criticism thrown his way for quote-unquote running from LA now do I agree with that absolutely not and I think Paul George is showing that this year Um, however you know when you look at the MVP race while Paul George is having a career year I mean career high in points rebounds assists steals the guy's averaging 28 and a little over 20 and a half uh, eight rebounds four assists 2.3 steals Um, the Thunder are 40 and 25 it just seems like, you know, what would be an MVP year It's a career year for him. But um, unfortunately, you know, when you look at the other two players and their body of work, you do have to put Paul George in third. And, and I really hate that because I kind of want to see him win an MVP. I think that would be a really um, great story, right? If he was able to come back from that devastating injury in Vegas and win an MVP, I think that would be something that would really be a true testament to his work ethic. So um, more to come. Maybe he'll get a push here. If the Thunder, you know, speaking of pushes, if the Thunder make a push for maybe like the second seed in the West or even, you know, threaten Golden State, then maybe you give it to him. But, you know, at the same time, Oklahoma City is about four and a half games behind Golden State with, you know, about 15 or so games left in the year, give or take. So it's going to be really hard for them to make that up unless Golden State just completely takes their foot off the pedal. Um, but it could happen, right? If they go to second place, I, I think at that point, you know, you really have to put Paul George over James Harden um, and maybe even Giannis. Uh, but right now, the Thunder are 40 and 25, which is the same as the Rockets. Um, 
given the fact that, you know, he's not really record wise, the Thunder aren't extremely better than the Rockets. And you look at the stats, you do have to put James Harden number two. So, you know, but Paul George has been great. I mean, this guy's been scoring at will, uh, coming up with crucial baskets, game winners. Um, so nothing but respect for Paul George and, and everything he's done. And, you know, we'll see. Uh, maybe the Thunder go on a 10-game win streak, turn this thing around and get ahead of the Rockets. But I think right now if the Rockets and the Thunder finish with the same record, just because of the historical precedence that James Harden is setting, um, I would put James Harden ahead of him. I do have James Harden at number two. I mean, this guy is averaging over 36 and a half points, almost 37 points a game. Uh, tied Wilt Chamberlain for the most consecutive 30-point games. The second streak, not the first one. Wilt still has a much larger streak there. Wilt's all-time consecutive record of 30-point games is at 65. But James Harden does have the second longest streak at 32 games. So got to give it up there. I mean, the guy's had to have scored at least 25 points still even after that streak is over. So he's just putting it on people. And the way he does it, he's a really streaky shooter, but you got to give it to him. He hits hot. I mean, there's nothing you can do. He will hit that step back three just all in your eye, and there's nothing you could do. Um, the Rockets were in a real bad shape when Chris Paul first got hurt earlier in the year. Um, they were like 10th or 11th in the West, and they have shot up a lot since then. Um, so you got to give James Harden consideration for number two. I mean, you do factor in the rocky start. I know we like to kind of seem like James Harden has to score 30 points per game, but He's still got a really talented supporting cast. Chris Paul, Eric Gordon, Clint Capella, even Austin Rivers, Kenneth Fareed have all been playing valuable minutes. P.J. Tucker. Um, so he's not quite like Allen Iverson on the 2001 Sixers, you know, where, you know, I've seen quotes where he says, well, you know, I had to do this for us to win. So, and I get that. It's phenomenal. But I think we kind of are painting this narrative that he doesn't have a lot of help because the scoring streak's still going on. He's still scoring about almost 30 points every single game. So doesn't necessarily have to do it, but it's still fun to watch. Um, you got to give it to him. The Rockets were below 500 at, you know, early in the season. They bounced back all the way towards the top, and they can actually make a push for the three seed in the West. And like I said, especially if they end up finishing over the Thunder or tied with the Thunder when you factor how bad they've started um, and what type of historical streak that James Harden is on, you definitely got to put him at number two. Unfortunately, I don't put him ahead of Giannis. And the reason being for that is at the end of the day, uh, Giannis is on the best team, the best player, and it's clear as day. Uh, they're on the way to secure home court throughout the playoffs, the best record in the NBA. And when you look at the parameters of the NBA and the NBA MVP awards in the past, um, that's typically, you know, one of the qualifications. It doesn't necessarily guarantee you the MVP award by any stretch, but, you know, when you factor in that the Rockets are top three, probably at best. And the Bucks have been the clear best team in the league. To me, I think you give it to Giannis just based off prior MVPs. I think in the past, you know, the precedent's been set that some of these players, with the exception of Russell Westbrook, the first year he averaged triple doubles, if they have phenomenal statistical seasons, 
they might not get MVP if they're not one of the best teams in the league. Now, I think it really makes it interesting for the NBA MVP award debate if the Rockets finish in third place in the West because then you know, you factor in their bad start and how hot they finished the year, and you know, it will definitely pose a threat to Giannis. But I think at the end of the day, you have to give it to Giannis at this juncture. The guy's averaging 27 points, you know, over 12 and a half rebounds a game, six assists. He's good for a block and a half. He's good for a steal and a half. And this guy's almost shooting 60% from the field. That's center numbers. That's Shaq. That's Kareem. That's elite big man numbers so when you factor in that this guy can literally just get to the basket at will dunk all over you has really started to develop a decent three-point shot and can single-handedly dominate games I think he's the one person that can honestly challenge James Harden in the NBA today and exceed in challenging James Harden just the fact that his sheer will he can take over a game whenever he wants he can get to the lane whenever he wants he can get whatever rebound he wants and with the decent supporting cast around him kind of frees him up gives him some open looks and he's starting to knock those down I mean to me I think you know, Giannis is the clear MVP. I don't necessarily know if he'll win. Um, you know, it, it all depends. Sometimes James Harden might have a strong finish. And like I said, even Paul George, you know, the Thunder might have a strong finish to the year and change that. But I think, you know, right now, as of today, um, you, you clearly got to give it to Giannis. I mean, this guy is just doing everything. And they're the best team in the league, the best player, the best team. He's clearly been the best player. Um, in the NBA, I, I think, you know, any time when you have this kind of a close MVP debate, when you look at stats, it's not just all about stats. It is about the team's winning percentage and you factor in the Rockets bad start and you factor in how the Bucks have pretty much been the best team in the NBA from end to end. To me, it's Giannis um, as the MVP and and to me, just where it is. I mean, he's really taken the league by storm. So we have to go with Giannis. So now what I'm going to do is discuss my favorite team in all of the NBA, the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, before I do that, I do want to take a moment to congratulate LeBron James on getting fourth place all time on the NBA scoring list. So um, that that's a really, really amazing accomplishment. And I think he's definitely going to get Kobe next year. Um, probably catch Malone. I'm not 100% sure on Kareem, but um, that's neither here nor there. I just want to take a moment to congratulate him on that as a Lakers fan, uh, you know, at the end of the day. Unfortunately, he didn't get the win, and I'm going to take a little bit of time as I go through this to talk about the Lakers and their past four games since I last spoke to you guys, but I just wanted to take a moment to congratulate LeBron nonetheless. So now let's go ahead and talk about the last four games. Okay, so the Lakers are done, right? It's probably already obvious at this point, by the time you're listening to it, at least that the Lakers are done. They're out of the playoffs. They've already put LeBron on a minute restriction going forward. Um, per Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports, he's going to be playing about 28 to 32 minutes a game, um, probably sitting out back-to-backs going forward as well. To me, it's just time. You know, these those last four games were really brutal for the Lakers. Um, starting with the Bucks game, you know, the Lakers were up 10 about halfway through, and I didn't necessarily know if they were going to win, but I was optimistic because I felt like, all right, 
LeBron's back is against the wall. This is when he comes through the most. I wasn't expecting uh, Boston Game 6 2012 LeBron, but, you know, a, a nice little uh, nice little game by LeBron to kind of take over and show everybody that he's still boss, especially against Giannis in his house to kind of remind everybody that he's still the best player in the league. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Um, you know, like I said, the Bucks were up about 10 halfway through the third, and then it just kind of looked like they were like, all right, let's win this game. Uh, Giannis was relatively limited. I was just praising him, but he had a quiet game. He only had about 16 points, but Bledsoe and Brogdon just took over their point guard play, the way that those two can play together uh, between Bledsoe driving, hitting big threes, Brogdon hitting a couple big threes. It was just over, and the Bucks just kind of, it just seemed like that game was theirs once that started to happen, and the Lakers just completely imploded on the fourth. And the next game we have, they ended up playing the Phoenix Suns. Phew. And gosh, they came out flat. I mean, they were down 95 to 78 at the end of the third quarter. Um, they were putting DeAndre Ayton on LeBron, and he just, he. I don't want to say he stopped LeBron because you don't stop LeBron, right? The guy rolls out of bed and gets, you know, 27, 7, and 7 easily, right? But he didn't exactly get beaten by LeBron either, right? Like, LeBron usually looks at those matchups and says, oh, wow, you guys put a rookie on me? Let me show you guys why you messed up. And usually he comes to play in those games, but unfortunately it just didn't happen I think, you know, the Lakers, their body language was off. They looked disinterested. You know, LeBron uh, threw it off the backboard one time when he was trying to inbound. It It was just a mess. Um, They did make a late push to bring it within three, but it was clear that they blew their load and ran out of gas and it didn't have enough to capitalize on it once the game was within reach. And the Suns just said, "Um, nope, sorry, guys. You thought you were going to make a comeback, but it's not happening. And I just think... um, you know, it just, they didn't want it, right? And that leads me to my next game, the game that probably hurt the most, even though the Suns game was pretty bad. <laughs> it was this game against the Clippers. So, all right, so you're watching the game, right? Or I'm watching the game, at least let me say it like that. I'm watching the game, right? And the Lakers get up 10 on the Clippers at the start of the second. They're looking pretty good. I mean, they were looking like they were in control. You get Rondo going, you get LeBron James going, Josh Hart was getting involved. Um, all in all, it was it was looking pretty good. Um, then next thing you know, the Clippers go on a 9-0 run, and it's 36-35. Lakers were up 36-26, and then before you know it, 9-0 run. Clippers only down one, 36-35. Um, they kind of trade baskets a little bit here and there. No team really pulls away more than a couple. Um, but I tell you what. They brought it close a few times. Um, even in the third, it was still kind of close. At one point, it was 57 to 55. Um, the Clippers were up 57 to 55. And then after that, it just, it was it was a mess from there. The Clippers ended the third quarter on a 12 to 4 run. They never looked back. Uh, you know, Kuzma was shoving LeBron on defense, which, <laughs> oh man, um, I love Kyle Kuzma. I love his effort, right? Uh, but, you know, there's probably a little bit of seniority where, you know, LeBron was probably like, hey man, I'm I'm still big bro. You're still little bro. Don't push me or tell me what to do on defense. But at the end of the day, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. LeBron just looks a little disinterested. 
Um, I don't think he really wants it, right? One thing, um, oh gosh, and Pat Beverly, right? One thing Pat Beverly said that I think stuck out to me, which is very simple and to the point. He said, we just wanted it more. Um, and he's true. The Clippers just wanted it more. You know, there were reports that Pat Beverly was in the locker room telling Doc Rivers, I got LeBron. I want LeBron. And, you know, like I said, he doesn't stop LeBron. Uh, but gosh, man, he was, he, the, his positioning on LeBron was throwing him off. And it just looked like LeBron couldn't match it. I mean, I normally this would be like, um, a lesson for LeBron to teach Patrick Beverly, like, hey, you're not on my level, and just give him a cool like 35-40 and just show that he's the best player in the league, which he's done several times in the past. Um, but when you factor in Kyle Kuzma kind of pushing him and, you know, the lackadaisical effort, it looked like LeBron wasn't even paying attention. You know, like LeBron was kind of staring off and Kuzma kind of gave him that shove. Um, it was like, dude, get your guy. That's your man. Close him out. But... It just looks like he didn't want it, and I, and I think there's just a bad aura there, um, all in all, and I, and I kind of just I feel bad for everybody involved, right? Because I feel bad for the young guys because this was supposed to be their team; they were supposed to take over. Then LeBron comes, and all of a sudden, all those young guys are expendable. Ball, Kuzma, Ingram, Hart, Dale probably felt like even Zubac. Damn, damn, why did we trade Zubak? But um, all those guys kind of felt like maybe a little bit less Zubak because he was, he's been on and off, but I don't think he started the year as a main piece. But once he got in that Golden State game, and he's had some games over the past where he's really shown that he could be a valuable piece. But, you know, it's just, it's all about LeBron now. And before it was about Lonzo and King Grum and Kuzma and all the young guys and how they were going to, you know, eventually gel. You know, they had to, they had to go through this whole saga with LeBron, and LeBron just kind of be like, I mean, you know, if we trade him, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, so I just think the chemistry wasn't there. Like, they never recovered, and it, it's understandable. Um, it's kind of hard for, to me, for Magic or LeBron to say, you know, hey, look, they're professionals. They got to suck it up. When those guys have never been in danger of being traded, there was never like, oh, man, you know, if the, the Cavs don't win it, if the Cavs don't win the title, they're going to trade LeBron this year. That's it. They're blowing it up. You know, no. <laughs> Same thing with Magic. They've never really been in that position. And it's just a lot, right? Um, but then there was the Nuggets game. Um, you know, that's the game where LeBron got the all-time scoring record. And, you know, I kind of felt bad for him. Because, you know, this was his night, fourth all-time on the scoring list. And not only did the Lakers not get a win, but it just seemed like nobody really cared when he got the um, fourth place past Jordan. So it almost seems like he was fishing for people to congratulate him because no one was really congratulating him in that fashion. Now, you know, I'm a Lakers fan. Kobe's my favorite player. And I remember, you know, when, when Kobe passed Jordan on the all-time scoring list, you know, they, they stopped the game. Everyone was giving him fives, but what do I know? Um, you know, believe it or not, maybe Kobe is a more likable player after all. I don't know. Don't believe the hype folks, but, um, no, I digress. Um, but I did feel bad for him because I kind of want him to get a win, but you know, when you look at the, the roster that they have out there, Kuzma wasn't playing that game. Ingram wasn't playing that game. Lonzo Ball wasn't playing that game. They were they were given serious playing time to Mo Wagner, um, Muscala, Jonathan Williams, Al Caruso. Like none of these guys that are really um, exactly moving the needle. So 
they're mismatched at this point. They're throwing it in. But at the same time, if you remember last time or my, on my last podcast, I should say, um, I said maybe missing the playoffs short term was going to be horrendous. Um, you know, LeBron's going to take heat from this. Magic's going to take heat. The rest of the team's going to take heat from this. But now the Lakers are going to be in the lottery. And I think they're going to tank. Uh, I think Lonzo Ball, who's already missed 18 games this year, probably isn't playing again. Um, Ingram's probably going to be closely monitored. Kuzma probably won't be rushed back. You know, we already talked about LeBron on a minutes restriction and probably sitting out back-to-backs. When you factor in all that, they're just about to go into tank mode, which, you know, might not be the worst thing for them, especially if they want to try to re-engage on the Anthony Davis sweepstakes. So this is where it's going to get interesting because now, you know, the Lakers, they'll have a lottery pick, right? And if they tank, they'll probably, I mean, here's the thing. They, they can't go too much further down. Right now, they'd have the 13th pick of the NBA season um, ended today. Looking at the standings and unless they just lose like every single game left on the schedule, they're probably going to fall around pick 9 to 10, best case scenario. That's best case scenario. So, um, you know, one thing that's really interesting, right, in the Anthony Davis trade is that the Celtics had all these picks. Well, right now, the Celtics might have more picks, but hypothetically speaking, if the season were to end today, the Lakers would probably have a better pick in this draft than any of the Celtics picks. Because out of the four picks the Celtics have this year, they have the Sacramento Kings pick, uh, which will probably be worse than the Lakers. They have the Memphis Grizzlies pick. Now, while Memphis will probably finish with a worse record than the Lakers, the pick is protected if it falls within the top eight picks right now memphis is currently the sixth pick if the nba season ended today so unless three teams leapfrog them in the lottery which is going to be a pretty small chance and honestly one of them might even be the lakers in the first place so the celtics might not have that pick at all period and then there's the clippers just single-handedly own the lakers so they're definitely going to have a worse pick than the lakers and Obviously, the Celtics picks are going to be worse than the Lakers. So I don't know. Um, I think this could help them. In, even if they don't make a trade for Anthony Davis, they got to do something. Um, I don't know. I just feel like they if they come back with that same roster, I don't see how much really changes. Now, don't get me wrong now. There is no guarantee that they'll get Anthony Davis. In fact, um, you know, the Pelicans might just say, you know what? we're not going to trade you to the Lakers, um, to Anthony Davis, just out of spite, just because you tried to bully us into trading you into the Lakers. Um, it was a big public fiasco, and a lot of the NBA is hoping that we don't trade Anthony Davis to the Lakers because, look, at the end of the day, um, I think that would set, even though I, you know, as a Lakers fan, I would want the Lakers to get Anthony Davis. I think that would set a really bad precedent if they were trading him to the Lakers, but I don't know. If Kyrie leaves the Celtics, though, you got to think that deal's pretty much off the table because the main reason, now keep in mind, this is just what you hear in the media, so you don't know how much of it's true or not, but one of the main reasons is the Pelicans want Jason Tatum, even though a package of Ingram, Kuzma, and Ball would probably be better 
overall than like a package of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and maybe Marcus Smart or Marcus Morris, one of the Marcuses. Um, you have to think you get more some of your pieces because you get more assets in the Lakers deal, right? Like even if you don't want Kuzma or you don't want Ingram or even Lonzo Ball long term, you can move them and turn them into other players. Whereas Jason Tatum probably would be the first pick if you were playing pickup, but you'd probably take Ingram and Kuzma after him before you took Jalen Brown. Um, and that's no slight to Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown can hoop. He showed when given the opportunity he can play, but right now it's not looking as good for him and the Celtics. And I think a lot of it's just because they got a lot of cooks in the kitchen and a lot of players that need the ball. I mean, you know, you're incorporating Gordon Hayward, who wasn't even part of your team last year, not to mention Kyrie's back. So, um, Jalen Brown's suffering from it. And, and I think a good start might be good for Jalen Brown. You know, maybe he'll end up being better than them. Victor Oladipo style, you know, Victor Oladipo moved around a little bit, but once he got to Indiana, man, he really found his home and it clicked for him. So that could happen. Right. And I think, uh, maybe it will happen, but you know, you have to think, right. That Danny Ainge is going to say, if, if, eh, well, we might lose Kyrie, so we can't give up Jason Tatum at that point. That really screws them, them being the Pelicans, in, in their trade negotiations because that's what they're holding over the Lakers' head. We want Jason Tatum in the Celtics picks. Well, now you're not getting Jason Tatum, and quite frankly, the draft picks from the Lakers or the draft pick would be better. I mean, I guess maybe if you want to do uh, multiple draft picks, like if you're the Pelicans, maybe you do want the, the Grizzlies and the Kings pick and you just take them both, but... To me, I think the better deal would be with the Lakers, but the Lakers also aren't going to give you everybody in the in the kitchen now. Um, you know, the Lakers, there were rumors that they offered Lonzo, Kuzma, Ingram, Josh Hart, everybody for Anthony Davis, and they were willing to take on, you know, a contract like Solomon Hill. So, um, you know, quite frankly, I don't think that'll be there if the Celtics will not trade Jason Tatum. If they lose Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving is actually key to them getting Anthony Davis because if they lose Kyrie Irving, there's no way they trade Jason Tatum and there's probably no way they get Anthony Davis without trading Jason Tatum. So um, I think even if they don't get Anthony Davis, it gives the Lakers another good asset that they can move. And, you know, like I said, they got to move some pieces. I don't think they can come back with the same roster. I think first off, Luke Walton's probably going to get fired. I think um, they'll probably trade Lonzo Ball. Uh, Maybe they'll trade Ingram. or I don't want them to trade Kuzma, but maybe they will. Um, Free agency will be interesting because based off uh, Kevin Durant's comments, I don't think he's coming. I think Kyrie um, is a long shot, but it's also a possibility. Uh, Maybe Kemba Walker. I think Kemba Walker would be a really nice addition to the Lakers. But I do think you need another star free agent to come to really set the Lakers in good position. Now, maybe you get Anthony Davis first and then, you know, someone like Clay or someone like Kemba will look at that and they'll say, or even or about Anthony Davis, uh, even Kyrie Irving will look at that and they'll say, okay, well, I, I could work with that. I could work with LeBron and, and Davis and then, you know, just work around the pieces. You know, like I said, if the Celtics don't trade Jason Tatum, then you probably have to come off with way less if you're the Lakers. So, um, hopefully it'll work out. 
all in all, um, I don't really have, I don't really think I'll be doing too much more in-depth discussions on the Lakers, um, at least in the short term until the season stops, because quite frankly, there's, there's not a lot more to talk about. They're just in full tank mode. Um, but this off season will be interesting, whether they land a marquee free agent or maybe they get, you know, like a, like, I don't want to say second tier because I don't want to devalue these guys, but someone like a Chris Middleton, um, a Nikola Vucevic, someone along that range, um, if they could get someone like that to come around and, and play with LeBron, maybe give him a little more depth even, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, but I do think that some big changes are coming in Laker Nation, so <laughs> hold on tight. Um, try to sit through the rest of the year watching Al Caruso highlights, and we'll, we'll see what happens from here. So the last topic that I want to talk about, I want to spend a little bit of time um, just showing appreciation to two teams that I think are really on the rise and are about to be doing some big things way sooner than we think. Those teams are the Atlanta Hawks and the Chicago Bulls. So I'm going to start with the Chicago Bulls today. So they are an interesting team. They have a lot of young talent. Uh, They have, to me, two future all-stars in Zach Levine and Lori Markinen. They also have a pretty solid young core in addition to those two. They have Chris Dunn, who I think is a great starting point guard. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter. Denzel Valentine's not bad. I don't know if he could stay healthy. Um, He had some injury issues his first year. He did pretty good his second year. He played 77 games, but he's going to miss all of the 2018-2019 season. Um, So they they got a little something to work with. Um, If the season ended today, they would have the fourth pick in the NBA draft. And while I think Chris Dunn is a great starting point guard in the NBA, John Morant um, is superstar potential. That would be my ideal pick for the Chicago Bulls. Um, even if you don't start John Morant early on, you could bring him off the bench. I mean, that's some firepower, right? Even if you still start Chris Dunn and maybe for his first year, if he doesn't necessarily come out super explosive, must start, you bring him off the bench. Um, it's a pretty talented lineup. Obviously, the end game would be for Morant to eventually start. You'd have Morant, Levine, Porter Jr. Um, from there, you'd also have Markinen and Carter Jr. Maybe you move Porter and Dunn for one more piece to really round out the team or even for some depth. I really like Otto Porter there, though. I kind of hope they don't move him because I think he's a really solid role player for that team and he just fits well Otto porter uh super efficient can get his without really having any plays called for him he, he's came up with some big plays for them so i don't necessarily want to lose them but i guess it just depends on the offer and, and what they have but to me john morant uh has superstar potential written all over him and when you hear about that guy's story about how he came up and really had to earn his place um, just in the basketball world in general, being slept on by scouts and everything else, you really pull for the guy, and, you th- and I think that kind of work ethic um, is going to go a long way to giving him a very successful NBA career to me. So, you know, th- they got a lot of good pieces. They've had some pretty good wins recently. They beat the Celtics. They beat the Sixers. Um, the Magic, you know, they've proven to be a pretty decent team. They might actually even finish above 500, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but for the East, that's pretty good. If you're hovering around 500, uh, you're probably in playoff contention, unlike the West. But 
you know, um, they got a lot of really good talent. That that game over Atlanta, Atlanta, excuse me, that game when the Bulls won against Atlanta in that overtime thriller where they both scored over 160 points, that's what really made me realize, you know, we're dealing with some superstar talent in the making here <laughs> or or we're just dealing with really bad defense i don't know who one of the two maybe it was just really bad defense and i'm a little a bit of a prisoner of the moment but i do think the bulls you know they got a good young core like if they could stick together now coaching is another issue i'm not entirely familiar with how the jim boylan situation has been going i know it's really rough to start that was all in the media um kind of aging myself with this reference but if anyone's seen the movie coach Carter, that's kind of what it sounded like he he ran them into the ground and they weren't too thrilled about it but um i did read some reports just to kind of get a feel for things it was pretty inconclusive but it seems like they're in better spirits with with the coach i don't really know um i do think chicago could maybe use a little bit better of a coach but um, maybe Jim Boylan's turned around. Maybe he's earned that locker room's respect. We'll see. But I do think that, you know, with that core, if they could just stick together, uh, maybe upgrade the coaching. I mean, you got a really good good core there that a lot of NBA teams are pretty probably pretty jealous of right now. Um, so to me, I think this team will probably be in the hunt for the playoffs as soon as next year. I think, um, you know, they just got, they just have the talent and maybe they need a little push. Maybe they need a coaching change just to get them to the next step, or maybe it's just natural improvement. You know, maybe they keep boiling another year. They come back with the same team, a little more motivated. Everyone's improved a little bit. Um, and then they just go out and they go out there, they stay healthy. I think that's another thing with the bulls. They've had some injuries. Chris Dunn's missed some time. Lloyd Marketing's missed some time. Wendell Carter's missing some time now. Um, Levine's been pretty good this year, but last year, you know, he had the ACL. So uh, maybe injuries get in the way. But I think for the most part, this is a team that's really on the rise. Um, so hopefully we'll we'll see a lot of bright future for the Chicago Bulls. I think everyone, um, you know, in Chicago is really hoping for that. It's um, really unfortunate that those teams back when they had Derek Rose and Jimmy Butler and Joe Kim Noah that they never even at least made it to the finals now. I always think 2015 was really their year once they um cuz man that was just such a tough loss but I knew that um they had no Kevin Love the Cavs had no Kevin Love that year 2015. Kyrie was barely playing. Um, there was some controversial calls if everyone remembers, you know, David Blatt I tried to call a timeout but the refs uh suddenly you know when stevie wonder and didn't see the timeout may or may not have been a little help out to um the Cavs, but you know at the end of the day lebron still made the shot so don't take anything away from him and i remember there was a crucial out of bounds play as well that really should have went the bulls way that didn't so um not saying the bulls should have won that but if that was the year they were going to win it um or that should have been the year that they won it but unfortunately they didn't um do they beat Golden State? Maybe. I, I doubt it. But Golden State was vulnerable that year. People forget that LeBron without Kyrie and Kevin Love still took them to six games. So I don't know. Maybe Golden State just gets cold feet, um, you know, with the big spotlights. But then again, the Bulls had never been in the finals either. So it would have been a would have been a matchup to where, you know, two teams that had never been in the finals. So maybe that helps ease the pressure. Um, but 
I want to uh, take a little bit of time before we go to talk about the other team that I think is a real uh, team on the rise, believe it or not, the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, the Atlanta Hawks have always been an interesting team for me. You know, everyone makes the jokes that they were the uh, epitome of a 4-5 or five seed. They'll, they'll make the 4-5 or five seed every year. They'll probably even make it to the um, second round of the playoffs. They had that one year where they won the whole east but uh you know i don't know they had four all-stars and and the team was kind of for sale that year and you know if you look at the hawks record um before and after the team went for sale the hawks were much more um average i guess would be the word after the team was sold so i don't know maybe they were made to look a little more appealing but that's um that's a story for another day the topic of discussion at this time is um their future which you have trey young and john collins that alone right there i think are two potential all-stars um i went actually went to the rising stars game this year uh, my wife my cousin uh, one of my best friends his wife we all went to the game and I tell you what, John Collins and Trey Young, they can play. I mean, Trey Young was hitting some threes, like basically falling into the fans, some fadeaways. John Collins was throwing it off the backboard, just slamming it down. They looked like two elite players. Um, since the post All Star break, John Collins is averaging 22 and 10. Trey Young, um, since the All Star break, is get this averaging 28 and a half points and eight and a half assists post All Star break. Um, Trey Young has the distinct record of having 35 plus points in a game as a rookie. So, um, let me be clear on the streak. It's, he's not the first player to have 35 points in three straight games, but he's the fourth rookie all time to have at least 35 points in three consecutive games. Um, the other three rookies are Allen Iverson. Um, before him, it was Michael Jordan, and before him, it was Bernard King. Now, those of you that don't know, Bernard King is, um, even though I live in Charlotte, I'm originally from New Jersey, and Bernard King is still a legend up there. People still talk about how this guy could score, and he could when you really look at that, and maybe that's a topic for another day, but we'll discuss uh, one of the most forgotten players in Bernard King, but these were all really good company. Let's just put it that way without going too far down that rabbit hole. Um, so I think Trey Young is going to be a special player for most of this year. It was clearly Luka Doncic's Rookie of the Year award to win, but Trey Young has at least made it to debate. Um, and I think when you really look at the trade that the Dallas Mavericks and the Atlanta Hawks did, where the Dallas Mavericks not only traded um their pick that year but they also traded their first round pick this year so the atlanta hawks are actually projected to have two picks in the top eight this year so right now um i get it you're probably wondering why i was so high on the atlanta hawks right now i get it um they you know talk about how they only have trey young and john collins and i get that right but they're about to have two lottery picks um i i think a player that would go really good they definitely need like a wing scorer right to go with 
um, Young and Collins, get someone like Cam Reddish, get someone like Culver. Um, and then with the other pick, maybe they get like another wing, Nazir Little, um, you know, maybe even get the big guy, um, Hachimura. I hope I pronounced that right. I apologize if I don't, but from Gonzaga, who's really been killing it this year. I mean, the guy's averaging 20 points a game and shooting 46% from three. So, with those two high draft picks this year, plus they probably uh, won't make the playoffs next year if they could get a competitive draft pick, they could really be setting themselves up for the future. So I do like this Hawks team long term. Um, and I'm kind of curious because I think Trey Young is automatically box office, right? I think John Collins is someone who, between the dunks that he's been having lately, um, he was in the dunk contest too. I'm sure you guys, most of you guys probably already know that, but you know, he was in the dunk contest. Um, he's a, he's an electrifying player as well. And then you get another score like Cam Reddish, who I think is really, um, you know, he's, he's going to give someone decent value because with the current Duke team, he's not getting as much playing time and as much shine as he should. And maybe, you know, I don't want to say rightfully so, but he is playing behind Zion Williams, who is the biggest college player that we have seen in quite some time. Um, I know he's hurt now, but you know, that and RJ Barrett is an extreme talent as well. I mean, you're talking about likely the first two picks in the NBA draft. So there's no shame in him being a third option. And I think he'll end up being a steal for some team because he's going to fall a little in the draft, maybe before the draft started, or if he had went somewhere else, he would have been the consensus number three and maybe even number two pick you know depending on how things went but you know it is what it is I mean you get him on the Hawks and then you you know like I said you get Nazio Little Hachimura maybe you get Culver if someone takes Reddish before um, your pick if you're Atlanta but man you you can get really potentially another all-star and probably another solid role player to go with your Atlanta Hawks squad and then, you know, give that a year to bloom, probably miss the playoffs again next year. But give that them a year to get together. You get one more lottery pick. And before you know it, you're either adding depth or your fifth starter. Touring Prince is, eh, he's he's not bad. Kent Bazemore isn't bad. Uh, Dwayne Dedman isn't bad. But they probably won't be on the roster when it's all said and done. Um, and if they are, they'll probably be more role players at that point. So, um the Atlanta Hawks definitely have a bright future. They play in a pretty, they play in a relatively easy division. Um, the Wizards are going to be probably down and out next year as well. When you factor in John Wall's not probably going to play. Um, if Kemba leaves Charlotte, they're definitely falling. Uh, Miami, if Dwayne Wade retires, maybe his moxie, you know, or maybe him not being there, his moxie. Uh, you know, affects the heat and they don't make the playoffs. And, you know, the Orlando Magic, if they lose Vucevic this year, you know, who knows? Maybe they could go out and just win that division and sneak in as a seven or eight seed, the Atlanta Hawks. So um, I think, you know, if they just stick the course, I I do like their coach um, for the Atlanta Hawks, Lloyd Pierce. I think he's he's definitely got a really, really good story. I mean, this guy, a fun fact about him, he was – Steve Nash's teammate in college at Santa Clara. Um, he's a real defensive, tough-nosed kind of guy, and, and I think he gives a little bit of a toughness to the Hawks that they could take with them in the future, give them a little swag. I, I don't know if it's rubbing off on Trey Young. Um, I didn't do enough, but I do notice that Trey Young's always had swagger, right? But I do think 
Pierce would be a good coach for him just based off what I've heard and his kind of reputation. So um, we'll see. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the Atlanta Hawks develop over the next few years. So that'll about do it today. Um, Once again, it's the Hoops Observer. If you guys liked it, please leave a like, um, subscribe, and I'll have some more content coming soon. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for taking the time out of their day to listen to this, and I'll be back soon enough.